Manya Nation, let's ride. But Don Nealon's Mountaineers enjoy walking in where angels fear to tread. Harris in trouble, stiff arms, the would-be tackler comes out of the 25 to 20, goes around about it to 15 to 10 to 5, a touchdown with Virginia, he did it! to be a Mountaineer wherever you may be. And now, the show brought to you by Mountaineer fans, for Mountaineer fans, the Country Road Webcast. What's going on, Mountaineer Nation? Welcome into Season 5, Episode 155 of the CRW Podcast. Got a jam-packed show here for you today, so we're going to do things a little bit differently rather than our traditional segments of off-topic babble, Mountaineer news, and then our main topic. Me and Bradley are actually just going to have a conversation where we delve in on a variety of Mountaineer sports topics, going from WVU basketball news to basketball transfer news, football transfer news, even throw in a little WVU baseball there. So plenty of Mountaineer sports topics that we discuss here on Season 5, Episode 155, and I can't wait for you guys to hear it. But before you do, just wanted to give you guys a quick reminder, if you would, do us a favor. If you're watching this on the video side, if you're a viewer of this episode of the CRW Podcast, whether it be on our YouTube channel or over on the WVSportsNow.com website, where you'll find a lot of great West Virginia sports content, as well as our show there, and we're really appreciative of the Sports Now family of networks, hit the like button on the video. It'll really help this video's performance and future videos performances as well. And if you're a WVU fan, be sure to hit that subscribe button. Helps us and it helps you as it helps get more of this Mountaineer sports content out to Mountaineer Nation. And if you're tuned in on the audio version of this episode, you can find that on any podcast platform you like. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, Spotify, you name it. Just search for the Country Roads webcast. But if you're on Apple, do us a favor, leave us a review. That helps. But if you're on any of the other platforms, just be sure to share us around with other Mountaineer sports fans that you may know that you think would enjoy content from us here at the Country Roads webcast. But with no further ado, let's dive into it. Here is mine and Brad's conversation of a variety of Mountaineer sports topics here on Season 5, Episode 155 of the Country Roads webcast. Enjoy. All right, and joining me here on Season 5, Episode 155 of the CRW podcast here, our WVU football spring wrap-up episode if you will but as i said we'll be covering all kinds of topics from mountaineer basketball to mountaineer football got transfer news in both sports and we're going to cover a lot of it do a little bit of a rundown here but joining me here is one of our co-hosts at the crw of course the one and only at big bubba brad crw on twitter there as you see if you're watching on the video version but the one and only bradley what's going on brother not much, man. I started a new job. It's going pretty well. Tiresome, but, you know, it's it's big steps up for me, so I've been enjoying it. 
Absolutely. That's good to hear, man. I'm glad. Yeah, glad I'm to sure. hear it. Glad to hear it's going well. Um, and speaking of things going well, uh, West Virginia has had some things going well, especially on the basketball side for the transfer portal. We thought it was all, you know, glitz and glamour this offseason for the Mountaineer basketball program. And then today we really came to a stop there, hit a little bit of a wall on the good news and got a little bit of the other side coming out today. Actually, the day that we're recording this, uh, interestingly enough, we were already planning to record today, but then this news broke. So kind of had to throw it in here to the news topics and it's kind of the elephant in the room. So wanted to get it out of the way to talk about, and that is of course, Bob Huggins future with the WV basketball program now being a little bit in question. So I wanted to share both of the statements from Bob Huggins and uh, from the university on Twitter that came out today in regards to the situation. I'm sure you guys know about it. Not going to touch on it here exactly what was said and where it was said, but if you haven't heard, it was on a radio program in Cincinnati that Bob Huggins was on. He discusses a little bit in this stadium, but you can surely find it for yourself. It's hit a lot of national news outlets by this point, and the story is already very big just within a few hours of it happening. West Virginia has uh, made their statement as well, which we'll get to momentarily. But first, Bob Huggins' statements in regard to the situation that's ongoing with the West Virginia basketball program. He says, earlier today on a Cincinnati radio program, I was asked about the rivalry between my former employer, the University of Cincinnati, and its crosstown rival, Xavier University. During the conversation, I used a completely insensitive and abhorrent phrase that there is simply no excuse for, and I won't try to make one here. I deeply apologize to the individuals I have offended, as well as to the Xavier University community, the University of Cincinnati, and West Virginia University. As I've shared with my players over my 40 years of coaching, there are consequences for our words and our actions, and I will fully accept any coming my way. I am ashamed and embarrassed and heartbroken for those I have hurt. I must do better, and I will. So that was Bob Huggins' statement. And then the university shortly after followed up, releasing a statement of their own, as was expected, I'm sure. And the statement here, coming from West Virginia Mountaineer Intercollegiate Athletics, actually no uh, name tied to it, no Gordon Gee or Ren Baker. Uh, surprisingly enough on this statement, Ren Baker did give some comments at the coach's caravan, which interestingly enough started today talk about some crazy timing. Bob Huggins did not make an appearance at the coaching's caravan, and I'm guessing probably will not now moving forward as this situation develops. But the university's comments say, Coach Huggins' remarks today on a Cincinnati radio show were insensitive, offensive, and do not represent our university values. Coach Huggins has since apologized. West Virginia University does not condone the use of such language and takes such actions very seriously. The situation is under review and will be addressed by the university and its athletics department. So very fluid situation still yet. Those are the statements that we have at this point, both from Bob Huggins and from the university. And of course, the university will make a decision here in the near future on what will happen and what Bob Huggins' future will be at WVU. We don't want to get too much into the politics of the situation here on the Country Roads webcast, but I will go out of the way and say that I do believe what he said was wrong. That's the only thing I want to say and not touch on it really any further than that. More so, we just kind of wanted to focus on the consequences for Bob Huggins' legacy and then, of course, for WVU, both the university as a whole, and, of course, the basketball program with what was believed to be a very important season coming up where you've brought in what is currently the number one transfer portal class in the country. We'll touch more on that momentarily, but couldn't go without uh, talking about it in this episode as it has occurred, of course. And by the time this episode releases, this may be dated. We may know more information, so just stay tuned as it comes uh, out. We will report on it here on the Country Roads webcast. But with what we know now, Bradley, anything you want to add in regards to this uh, Bob Huggins and West Virginia basketball situation? Yeah, I'm just going <clears> to 
echo what Bob Huggins said in his statement. I think it is inexcusable, but um, I think that he's taking it head on and uh, accepting whatever consequences come with that is about all you can do right now. And I'm glad I'm not and the person uh, that's having to make decisions right now. So I guess we'll see how it unfolds. Yep, that's that's all you can really do at this point. You know, just as people on the outside looking in, you know, I don't like to try and get involved in the politics of it, like I said. So just kind of playing the waiting game and seeing uh, what happens with Bob Huggins' future and the future of West Virginia basketball, and we'll report on it as it goes from there. But certainly a bad look for the university and, and stuff in general right now with this coming out, and you hate to see that um, on the national scale getting as big as it is for it to be negative national news for West Virginia, but we certainly could not address it here on this episode. But having said that, in regards to basketball, there are more positive subjects that we can talk about. So let's talk about some of the WV basketball subjects we've got here, uh, Bradley. Let's start here with the transfer portal rankings. West Virginia currently with the number one ranked class in the transfer portal. This scored to the 247 sports rankings, which you'll see here on the screen if you're watching the video version of this episode of the CRW podcast. But Bradley, West Virginia's basketball recruiting class here has been great in the transfer portal. And we know all of those transfers that they've brought in have now officially signed their letter of intent. So barring any unforeseen circumstances that now actually may occur that could release them from those letters of intent, they should be Mountaineers. But of course, now I feel like there's an asterisk on all this with the aforementioned Bob Huggins situation. But having said that and, and you know, kind of putting that aside for a second, just focusing on the class in general and the pieces that West Virginia has brought in, what do you think about this transfer portal class that the Mountaineers have and how good do you think West Virginia can be next year with these players potentially on the roster? We're talking about Kirk Reese, one of the best point guard transfers in the country, Raekwon Battle, an 18-plus points-per-game wing scorer. Of course, you already had Jose Perez and Omar Silverio in the fold. And then, of course, the number two center in the country, Jesse Edwards, 14 points, 10 rebounds a game, and nearly three blocks a game as well. Um, how excited are you about these potential transfers joining the Mountaineers, Brad? Yeah, definitely super excited. I'll say it feels like there's a lot of talent and potential out there. I'm saying, um, you know, we have a good look for the season. I think it's all going to come down to cohesion and getting the team to mesh together and play well together because you've just got, you know, several guys coming in that are used to being the main scorers and scoring a lot of points. And, you know, now they're going to be part of a team with other guys that works, you know, main scorers and uh, so, some ego in there. So, um, <clears throat> It's really just going to depend on how well those mesh. But I think that if they can get it rolling, um, I think that the ceiling is the limit for this team, to be honest. I think the talent's there for it. Yeah, I think so, too. I'm 100% right there with you. I think that that's just the one area you're looking at with all these pieces coming together is how well that they mesh. And like you said, putting egos aside because you're bringing in guys that were all kind of, you know, quote, unquote, the guy at their – previous programs where you had guys that were leading scorers. You know, Jose Perez averaged over 18 points a game. Raekwon Battle did as well. Jesse Edwards was a pretty high scorer there, uh, 14 points a game for Syracuse. Kirk Risa took his fair amount of shots at Arizona, but he is a facilitator, and that's going to help as well. But I think hopefully everyone's willing to, you know, kind of play more of their part, I guess you could say, than be the guy. But also in the same token, you're going to still have to have someone step up. So you got to hope that doesn't create problems when you're trying to find out who that person is that you're going to go to, you know, in the game situations and things like that. But I think certainly the talent level is there and it's shaping up to be one of the most talented West Virginia basketball rosters we've seen 
in quite some time, uh, pending it turns out the way that it looks like it's going to turn out uh, right now. Like I said, kind of in flux now, but um, definitely something to be happy about is the number one transfer portal class in the country uh, for West Virginia. Yeah, definitely a lot closer than what it was with Kansas jumping up there, getting uh, what's his name from Michigan. Yeah, so exactly. Uh, Dickinson, Hunter, uh, Hunter Dickinson. Dickinson from Michigan. That's yeah, I, that's that's one thing, you know, because you've seen people talk about West Virginia now with the transfers they brought in that we're going to be a national championship contender. And I'm not saying that they haven't brought in that type of talent to where they could definitely do that. But I'm thinking right now, let's just worry about getting the conference because the other teams in our conference have been known to bring in good transfers. We saw it, you know, last season, Kansas state and Texas have really good success with that. And then, as you mentioned, Kansas, who we already know, you know, Kansas is Kansas. They're always going to be good. Just brought in the number one transfer overall in the transfer portal class, the center from uh, Michigan, Hunter Dickinson, uh, probably the most highly uh, regarded transfer since the transfer portal era began in basketball because of his accomplishments that he's already done at this level during his time at Michigan. So that's a big piece for them. And Texas also brought in the the guard uh, Admus, I believe is the name. I can't mm-hmm. remember right off, but he's you know been a almost 30 points per game scorer over the past couple seasons at Oral Roberts, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, there's definitely other teams in the conference bringing in pieces as well. So it's still going to be, a battle as the Big 12 always is. But West Virginia bringing in good pieces, and I just wanted to share our transfer portal tracker here. Those are the names that we're talking about right there, the ones I mentioned a little bit earlier. If you're watching on the video side, you can see those names that I mentioned. But also to show uh, West Virginia did have a few pieces transfer out. We knew about Jamel King and Josiah Davis in the past already. But Jimmy Bell, unfortunately, decided to transfer away from the Mountaineer program. I think he was a bit of a fan favorite just because he had a great personality, was a really hard worker, lost a lot of weight to get into the position that he was to help the team last season. Bit of a mixed bag throughout that season. Had some really standout performances, though. But I think the fans really liked him a lot. And uh, we were hoping to see him maybe play some football this season. I don't know, you know, if the coaching staff decided that that wasn't the way they wanted to go or if Jimmy Bell just decided that he wanted to play basketball. I think in a statement he maybe decided that he wanted to play basketball, so he's just going to try his hand somewhere else because I'd mentioned when he was playing football that probably there wouldn't be a scholarship there for him at WVU basketball-wise. So Jimmy Bell transferring out for the Mountaineers as well. But any thoughts there on the loss of Jimmy Bell for the West Virginia basketball team, or do you think it's kind of one of those deals where you're adding pieces that are just you know a little bit more talented? I mean, I definitely think that's the case where you're just adding in more talent around them. Um, but Jimmy Bell was definitely a favorite, and I think that he really enjoyed playing for WVU, and I think that he enjoyed – um, the school as a whole, but he's always been very uh, open and honest about the fact that he wanted to play basketball. It's what he's always wanted to do. It's why he chose it in the first place. And so it wasn't surprising to me that, you know, if he wasn't going to be able to play here, that he might want to go play somewhere else. So I hope he lands somewhere nice. And um, I'm sure that he would be an integral piece to any other team that would gladly take him. So uh, just hope to see, I hope he gets the love he deserves. Agreed. Well said. I think that you know, the one thing that I said when he transferred was just hopefully he just doesn't end up in conference if we don't have to face him because I think I seen UCF had reached out and uh, someone else maybe. So hopefully just uh, don't don't go to the Big 12, Jimmy. We don't want to have to face you. And then you have, you know, yeah. the whole uh, revenge thing going for you because that didn't work out in our favor with uh, Jalen Bridges matchup. So I'd rather not face Jimmy. And uh, I'd like to see him do good, though, wherever he, wherever he ends up, as you said. Yeah. There. Once a Mountaineer, always a Mountaineer. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then as far as West Virginia in the transfer portal, still not done yet. They're going to target some other players. And one of the big names right now that they're targeting is, of course, the D2 
National Player of the Year, R.J. Sunahara, has connections to West that's, Virginia. Uh, I haven't actually seen him yet. but Yeah, that stash that. is yeah. incredible, right? <laughs> the hair too, man. <laughs> yeah, if you're watching on the video version, you get a great picture here of R.J. Sunahara, and he has a great look right there. The arm sleeve and the stash got the great combo, but uh, great numbers there as a D2 uh, National Player of the Year. Six foot eight would be a great power forward for West Virginia, likely a backup for Trey Mitchell if they could get him in. But as you see, if you're watching on the video side, 18.9 points per game, five rebounds, two assists. And like I said, the National Player of the Year, they're at that level, uh, recorded 28 points and nine rebounds in the National Championship game in which they won. And like I said, connections to WVU. His brother was the long snapper, the starter and long snapper on the football team for a few years. His father is the volleyball coach for the Mountaineers as well. So hopefully West Virginia has a good inside track, but there are a lot of programs that are after him, as you see here on this article that I'm sharing from WV Sports Now here. Ethan Box tweet uh, says that he has visits scheduled for Georgia, Notre Dame. But the thing that I like is West Virginia is getting the close it, closing visit between those three, if you will. He'll be visiting West Virginia May 10th to May 12th. So coming up here soon, depending on when you're listening to this episode. But uh, Brad, do you like our chances to get RJ Sunahara? And do you think he could be the final piece the Mountaineers look to add in the transfer portal? Or do you think they could still maybe look to add one more? I mean, I would love to have him. Having been a long snapper in my career in football, I was drawn to Rex Sunahara. I think that he was a real fun player to watch. Um, and he's had a good personality, so I, I feel like his brother's probably going to be along those same lines. So I'm hoping on that last visit he doesn't actually even leave Morgantown. He just stays. Absolutely. You know, th- bring a bag with you. Move in with that. that. helps is when we get that final <clears throat> visit. Absolutely. So, yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. I, I like our chances just because, like I said, the ties to West Virginia hopefully – you know, fingers crossed that that helps us land him. But I think that would be a great pickup for the Mountaineers. And, I mean, I think you could pretty much wrap it up there. They may try and add one more piece. Who knows? Because you still got to account for hopefully everyone you have on the roster still stays. But I know there's some other names that people have mentioned that may be looking to leave. If so, you're going to have another spot maybe. So we'll see. But West Virginia right now I think is doing an amazing job. We talked about the names they've already added. But if you look, uh, R.J. Sunahara, according to what rankings you look at, is one of the top 10 transfer portal players remaining in the portal. So it would be another addition of a top 10 uh, transfer portal player and another four-star transfer to add to what is currently the nation's number one transfer portal class. But I guess that's pretty much all I got uh, WV basketball-wise. You got anything else basketball you want to toss out there before we switch gears, talk a little uh, Big 12 and Mountaineer football? Yeah, I'm sure there's not much point to keep talking about it until we see what's going to happen with Bob Huggins. So. I was about to say, that's, that's the thing now, because, like, you know, before, if we were recording this a couple of days ago, I would just be, you know, talking about how excited I am and stuff. But like, I feel like it's just an asterisk. Got this looming large over us now until we know what the ultimate decision is going to be and what's going to, who's going to wind up on the roster ultimately now. Because we thought we knew we had the letter of intent signed, but always a curveball, I guess, right? Absolutely. <laughs> And this was a big one. So that's pretty much all we got. West Virginia. Speaking of curveball real quick, though, shout out to WVU baseball for going on an absolute tear. I've been watching on that. I'm glad you brought that up because they JJ Weather holds a monster. Oh, my God. That dude's a stud. I know he's now uh, first in the nation in uh, batting average. I saw that today. But I know he was top three in the nation in uh, steals as well. So, you know, top three in the nation in both batting average and steals. And they did have a 10-game win streak, of course, had that snap, but still enough winning the series over Oklahoma. 
got I think he hit chance. like a home run and he yeah, hit like he back to back grand slams and two yeah. big, like back to back games well, and he hit before, home runs in like five out of six. I think it was I mean, before was, the Oklahoma series started. They had scored because I had checked on it because I kept seeing some of their scores and it was like 18 runs, 17 runs. And so I was like, I'm going to have to look at this. And so I looked at their past like five games just to add up their runs. And they had like 64 runs in their past yeah. five games at one point. And I was like, that's some hitters. Yeah, they're, they're awesome. They're looking like they may end up as the uh, Big 12 regular season champions in baseball. I think they got two more series left. <laughs> they close those out. They're going to win the regular season title. And right now they're predicted to host uh, one of the tournament regionals in Morgantown. So that'll be crazy if that pans out. And who knows? You know, you never thought you could see it, but you might see a West Virginia team in the College World Series even. I mean, crazier things have happened. Oklahoma made it there last season, ended up as the runner-up. Yeah, so I was going to say, Big 12 is no joke in baseball either. I mean, Texas and Oklahoma are both good baseball yeah. schools too. Absolutely. They're, I mean, shout out to Randy Mazie. Like you said, J.J. Weatherholt's doing an awesome job. Tevin Tucker, Grant Hussey, all those guys. Yeah. Um, Randy Macy's really done an amazing job with that program, though, what he's done. They're – I think ranked uh, number 12 in the country right now. So really close to being a top 10 nationally ranked program. They uh, certainly deserve their due. So I'm glad you brought that up, man. Absolutely. Before we get a hone in a little bit more on WVU football specifically, there are some uh, big 12 uh, topics I wanted to touch on a little bit. Uh, some inter interesting, like, well, I guess let's go national level here first. Uh, the NCAA rule changes, uh, get your thoughts on these a little bit, Brad. I think there was three of them, but of course the other two were kind of uh, more standard uh, teams, not being able to call consecutive timeouts and then about penalties, not carrying over uh, between the first after the first and third quarters of three at the end of the quarter. But of course the standout one was the NCAA approving a rule to run the clock after first downs. Now we know in college football, the clock had always stopped until the chains were moved. Now the clock will run after first downs, except for in the final two minutes of the second quarter and the fourth quarter. As you see here, this uh, coming from the ESPN article, if you're watching on the video side, you can see that and read along. I'll scroll through it throughout. But, Brad, what are your thoughts on this rule change? And maybe this could be beneficial to a team like West Virginia looking to run the ball a little bit more this year, don't you think? Yeah, I was going to say, as like a fan, I don't really see much of an issue with uh, getting the games a little bit shorter. I mean, I like the, str the strategy around the clock stopping on first down, but, you know, these games are getting longer. They're trying to shorten them up a little bit, which is the direction uh, we're going. But as a person that sat back and watched Neil Brown for four years, it kind of worries me because he's not been the best on managing clock. So I hope that that's not something that our team struggles with this year because it's going to be something I'm looking at. Uh, with with having had that issue for a couple of years now, um, hey man, you got to be prepared. You got to be ready to understand that that clock's going to keep running. And if your team doesn't know that, then man, that's some poor coaching. Yep, I agree. Yeah, that's a good point about the uh, clock management being an issue. It, it certainly has. So it's something that you're going to have to be aware of as well as you know now the quarterbacks and stuff on the field. Also, you know if it's not the final two minutes of you know the half, you know the first half or the end of the game. You're, that's still running, so you're going to have to keep that uh, mindset going of uh, being a little bit more quick than uh, you're used to probably because you know had the luxury before uh, trying to slow down, but now that clock's going to keep ticking. So uh, we'll see how it affects uh, games yeah. here. In it the probably fall. does work in Neil Brown's favor, though, because he does love to control the clock. So I would assume that just being able to let it run because he's always been like more of a possession guy than a yeah. burn them guy. So that, that's, that's one thing I was – 
that's one thing I was thinking is maybe it'll help with, you know, if you're going ball control, which like you said, that seems like what Neil Brown kind of is like to do kind of his MO. So uh, it could work out in West Virginia's favor. Maybe this rule change. We'll see. Yeah. You get up a couple of scores and you just chew the clock. Exactly. Exactly. So that's some national news, but uh, more conference uh, level news. I've got a couple things here. The big 12 is exploring. We know we're adding, the four new members this season going to be playing them here in a few short months. West Virginia will play all four of the new members, uh, BYU, Cincinnati, UCF, and Houston. But the Big 12 has been exploring some interesting things, I think, with the new commissioner. He's really trying to get the conference, you know, I think the term that he used was hipper or something like that. But he certainly is doing a good job of doing some outside-the-box thinking with some of these things, and I thought they really stood out, one of which – is the Big 12 eyeing a multi-year agreement for to play both football and basketball games in Mexico, and it could happen as soon as 2024. This article coming from CBSSports.com. If you're watching on the video side, you can see this here. The Big 12 plans to enter a multi-year agree- agreement to play regular season football and men's basketball games in Mexico beginning in 2024. Monterey for football and Mexico City for men's basketball would be the potential host cities. Future plans may include adding women's basketball, women's soccer, and baseball. So, Brad, what are your thoughts here? I mean, West Virginia obviously traveling a great deal already in the Big 12. Why not, you know, just go across the border as well? Yeah, I think we've had a couple games across the pond too. So, you know, it's not unusual for us to be traveling for games. Um I was trying to think about why it hasn't happened until now, and I'm sure it's probably like a safety thing, you know, just like the instability that you sometimes have in Mexico. But, um, yeah, I think that anything like this, I think is just Brett Yormark still being just on top of the game and thinking of creative ways to get money into the Big 12. And um, looking at it that way, you can't help but be excited. And, you know, he's he's kind of um, had some really good decisions so far. So you can't help but, you know, get behind him and support him. And if this is something he thinks going to go – uh, positive for the conference, man. I'm all on on board for it because he's he's hit some home runs so far. Yeah, I agree 100. percent And I think that that's uh, one thing that it seems like uh, these conferences are kind of looking to do now as this conference expansion and realignment comes around is trying to create more of a national brand and no better way to do that than play you know games outside your country, right? So I think that that's going to be awesome to see and um, definitely anything that's going to increase the Big 12's exposure and increase the Big 12's strengths as a conference with West Virginia being a part of that conference, I'm certainly all for that. And in turn with that, they're also playing with modernizing, excuse me, television broadcasts, potentially adding in-game interviews, expanded locker room access, maybe uh, taking a page out of some of the things that the XFL did. This article also coming from CBS Sports, but just something else it seems Brett Yarmark is trying to do to spice up things for the Big 12, as we talked about with the Mexico situation and possibly playing games there. The Big 12 Conference and its media partners are exploring avenues to modernize football broadcast. Dennis Dodd confirms live in-game interviews, expanded locker room access, and coaches wearing mics were concepts discussed during Big 12 meetings uh, between football coaches and administrators back in the spring when they had those in Scottsdale, Arizona. So I thought this was pretty interesting as well, Brad. Any thoughts on uh, some interesting stuff like this the Big 12 is trying to add? Yeah, again, all good ideas. I'd love to see them implemented. Um, I think it'd be also a good idea that every time we're on ESPN Plus and it just sucks, we should get a month of ESPN Plus back. Um, 
<laughs> you know, if you can work that out, that it's would be good. nice because sometimes ESPN Plus is just dookie. It's uh, <laughs> um, but I could see this probably being something that they try on ESPN Plus or something along these lines just to see the kind of feedback. So that might improve that uh, that experience a little bit more. I don't know if they're going to jump right into that on, you know, mainstay, mainstream uh, football games, you know, off the jump. But definitely stuff I, I wouldn't be surprised if we started seeing this year in ESPN Plus. Yeah, that would that would be a great way to upgrade it because I mean, like you said, they definitely need something. A lot of those ESPN Plus games, you're lucky if you get the graphic you know, line for the first down marker on the field or anything like that. So, anything to improve ESPN Plus broadcasts, I'm all for. And like yeah, I said, might get more people to subscribe to it. To be honest, yeah. you know, because right or now returning people are not very excited. Yeah, because I'm sure there's people that just wait till their team has a couple games on there and they'll subscribe for a month and then unsubscribe. So you know, you might get some people. That I do. Stay on there. Yeah, I know. So that's probably the majority of people, to be honest. But I think it's good for the Big 12, so it's probably going to be good for West Virginia. But before we dive in on West Virginia specifically, I guess I should say, there is one final thing I guess we could touch on briefly, and that's conference realignment rumors. You know, I don't delve in on them too much because I don't, I don't, not in the know enough with that stuff. But there is a little bit that I do know that I've been able to gather, and it's basically – the Big 12's TV deal that was recently signed, which I don't know the exact amount, but I know it's through 2031 for a decent amount. The Pac-12 is currently negotiating their TV deal. The announcement on that should come out in the near future. And pretty much what I've been hearing is that it's believed that if it is not you know, close to getting the compensation that the Big 12 got, as well as having it be on – television because there's been rumors that some of the things that have been offered to the Pac-12 are streaming only and mm-hmm. so they of course don't want to have a more minimized brand than any of the other national conferences but if either of those things aren't close to what the Big 12 is offering when the Big 12 you know has national television not just exclusive streaming and has good money if the Pac-12 deal was not adequate in those situations then it's looking like there are a couple teams that potentially bounce to the Big 12, Colorado being one of the main ones that's been brought up, and Arizona as well. And I think adding Colorado will be great for West Virginia. I mean, not for West Virginia, but for the Big 12 right now, which would also in turn help West Virginia. But Colorado right now having a lot of name recognition with Coach Prime there and Deion Sanders and such. Uh, We'll touch more on Colorado, uh, maybe not so much of a positive light here in a bit, but Having said that, Brad, what are your thoughts on kind of these conference realignment rumors as we wait to hear about the Pac-12's TV deal? And we know the Big 12 has flirted with some of these Pac-12 schools in the past. Do you think the Pac-12 is kind of on its last legs, or do you think it can be revived, much like the Big 12 was revived when they added the four schools that are coming in this year? Um, I don't know, man. This conference realignment stuff is kind of just nutty. Because I know that like the ACC is on better footing, but is it really, you know, you got some schools that kind of went out of the ACC and we know how top heavy the ACC is and just about everything they do. Um, you know, I, I do feel like the big 12 has positioned themselves to really be a strong contender. Um, but when it comes down to it, I, I quite honestly have no idea what's going to go on with them. I would like to see the big 12 come out, you know, stronger because of it. And I think they've got a good chance. Me personally, I'd rather pick up ACC schools than Pac-12 schools. Um, but when it comes down to it, I have no idea what's going to happen. 
Yeah, it's it's a guessing game for the most part. It, it really is. I'm going to be interested to see what happens with this uh, TV deal with the Pac-12 because I think we're going to get a lot of answers then because if one or two teams leave that conference, then the Pac-12's all but done because they're kind of at that tipping point right now where they need to do something to kind of save the conference, much like the Big 12 was in when they lost Texas and Oklahoma and were down to eight teams. They were kind of at that tipping point that if another team or two left, that could have been it for the conference. But everyone stayed put. You know, they brought in the good new teams and they got a great TV deal. And I think the Pac-12 teams are kind of in that phase right now where they're just kind of staying put, seeing what's going to happen. And it's that tipping point of, all right, are we going to stick together, bring in some new teams, trying to strengthen this conference, or are a couple of us going to leave? And that's going to be it because I think that's all it's going to take. And once that starts turning, who knows what other conferences that may affect. You're looking at Clemson and Florida State and the ACC. If either of those move, that's going to hurt that conference. And like you said, I would love to see the Big 12 pick up some of West Virginia's old rivals from that conference, get Pitt, Virginia Tech in the conference. That'd be awesome. But uh, definitely just want to touch on that as the Pac-12 TV deal looms. But let's dive in here on our main topic, of course, and that's Mountaineer football. That's what we want to talk about. Football. And in, indeed, right now, you know, we got the spring game that happened. Uh, we can touch on that a little bit if you want to, Brad, uh, if you want to provide any thoughts on that. Of course, I know uh, the people are going to want to talk about the quarterbacks the most. Other than that, I'm going to bring up some uh, – transfer stuff but uh anything on the spring game or spring practices you wanted to touch on as i guess this kind of does serve as our wvu football spring wrap-up episodes uh what were your thoughts there as the spring closed with the uh, gold blue game a couple weeks ago now yeah absolutely and we kind of talked about this on our live stream uh last time we got a chance to uh, talk about it so if you guys wanted a more in-depth breakdown of that spring game definitely go check that out um yeah man i I thought it was a good looking spring game it got me excited i personally am Right now, leaning towards the Garrett Green train, it just the guy looked good, and I, he he's got me convinced. And you know, um, hate to see Tony Mathis leave. Uh, I think that that's happened since the last time we had our live stream. So, um, yep. I just I, I kind of personally felt like somebody was going to leave that room. And if I had to pick one, it probably would have been Tony Mathis. I think that he's the one that's impressed me the least. Um, but you know, some people took it as a dig for us to be suggesting that. He was leaving because of depth chart issues, but it's the truth. That's what happened, man. And it has nothing to do against Tony Mathis. That guy could be an elite power five back at any, you know, anywhere. And he, he's going to have that chance. Or he could be a dominant group of five back that runs it on his own. So um, Tony Mathis is a hell of a football player. Just that room that we have right now is unbelievably strong. Yep. I agree. I agree 100%. It's nothing against Tony. I think he's going to be a great player, and I wish him the best wherever he ends up. But I think it's, like you said, more of a testament to how deep West Virginia's running back room is and how much talent is in that deep uh, running back room. We've seen it already with the guys that we've seen in the past play, C.J. Donaldson, Jalen Anderson last season really bursting on, and Justin Johnson's, of course, been here for a couple years. But then specifically talking in that spring game, we saw it from the freshman, Jaheim White, break that long touchdown run, have another other couple explosive runs, and I think that that's something that he's going to bring to the table. And I think you know maybe when those other running backs saw that, they said, well, that's going to be some you know carries coming for him in the fall. So you know you kind of got to plan accordingly then because I think Jaheim White has a bright future 
for West Virginia. And then, of course, you're still bringing another freshman in, DJ Oliver, into that room throughout the summer once we get to fall camp as well. So I definitely understand why Tony left, and I think um, – I wouldn't be surprised if, honestly, another one hits it before the end of the season. Yeah. Yeah, I was about to say, I, you know, that's one room where you're going to have to be looking, you know. And unfortunately, it's that. probably going to be either your main guy or my main guy. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hopefully yeah, not, little, but we'll see. You got a little thing out. going on where, you know – Jordan and I are trying to debate out who's the number two back, especially now that Tony Mathis yeah. is gone. Um, I, I'm still believing in Justin Johnson, and he's got Jalen Anderson. I'm and a, a Jalen Anderson guy. Yeah. I got a feeling whichever one of those doesn't get the number two is probably going to be the next man marching out the door. That wouldn't. I don't think that would be a bad bet, Brad. I don't. I don't think it would. But the good thing I will say is I think regardless of who that is, if it is anyone that uh, West Virginia is in good hands and has plenty of bodies there to suffice. For this well, and I would even say that it's bringing up the – as crazy as it sounds, I feel like even losing either one of those guys still might bring up the level, the average level that we have in that running back room. You know, not to say that they're dragging us down, but that talent level is so high. I just feel like those two dudes, the guy, the young guys behind them have such high potential. <laughs> you know, like, Absolutely. like they, they, they've got a skyrocket potential. So um, you got to trim, trim what little fat you got, I guess. Right, right. Well, and, and I think that that's like that's not really the position of concern. I guess I, I'm pretty sure that we're all pretty confident in the run game. I think we're more concerned with the wide receiver room. And so, if I'm not saying that the coaches are saying, "Hey, you know, you get out of here" or anything like that, but if a running back wants to leave and test that out, and then that opens up another scholarship where you can potentially bring in a wide receiver that's going to help you, or a defensive back that you need, or a will linebacker. You know, that's a win-win situation for both that running back that can go somewhere and get more carries and your team that can bring in a position that you do need that's really going to have to help you this season, whereas one of these running backs may not be able to help you as much this season if they're, like you said earlier, buried on the depth chart. But with the running game being the strength, the passing game's kind of where we're looking to be concerned. Um, I agree with you. I think Garrett Green stuck out the most in the spring game. He had the best numbers as well. Certainly looks like he's ahead in the competition right now, but we know that that will head into the fall. But how about the wide receivers, Brad? Who stood out to you there? And what do you think about the wide receiver room heading into the fall? Hopefully, in my opinion, I think the Mountaineers still need to add at least one more body to that group. But of the names that we saw, um, who did you like? Yeah, in the spring game, I thought DC really stood out to me. Is it Devin Carter? Is that what it is? Yeah, I keep, yes, sir. I keep yeah. wanting to mix it up, so I just keep saying DC. But yeah, Devin Carter. Yeah, man, he looked good. I was saying, I think that some of that has to do with Garrett Green putting uh, the ball where it needs to be. But I also thought Cortez Braham looked really impressive. I think that he's going to be somebody that kind of takes that next step, solidifies himself as kind of our number two wide receiver. But I've said it all offseason, and, and I'll keep to it. I'm not as worried about our wide receiver room. I think that I've said it. I thought we needed to bring in one stud guy. I think Devin Carter's it. Um, I think maybe I said maybe one more supplemental piece after that. And we thought we might have had that in Jalen Ellis. Um, turns out that's not the case. And I I should have a lot of faith in our our freshman coming up. You know, I think Rodney Gallagher is gonna be a um legacy talent. I think that he's gonna be, you know, next level. And I, I wouldn't mind seeing him getting a start in there as early as possible to be quite honest, and um, Trail and Ray, you know, I, I just want to see these guys. I think that they've got a bunch of talent, and I think that we've struggled as a team to just let freshmen kind of get in there and learn, make mistakes, grow, you know. And so I, I, I'd be okay if we don't even go for another wide receiver. I know they feel like they need it. Um, 
but you know, they know more about their team than I do. They understand their dynamic and what they've got going on. But, you know, Preston Fox had some good looking times last year and, you know, and Jeremiah Aaron has had his moments where he's come along and, um, uh, you know, Jarrell Williams, you know, the, these guys have been in the program for a little bit. Let's give them a chance. You know, um, I don't see this having to be the same thing that we have on the defensive side of the ball, where it's just like throw guys in there and see who's the best. I think that you've got extraordinary talent in that room right now. And I think that um, they're going to be able to shine because our running back room is going to be, our run game is going to be so dominant that we don't need a dominant wide receiver group to kind of capitalize on it, especially when you got a tight end like Cole Taylor that has shown that he can catch the ball right. There's your next wide receiver. I, I don't see the need to really go out um, and get another one quite personally, but I don't get paid millions of dollars to coach a football team. <laughs> that's right. That's, that's what I always say. I say I'm just a dude with a camera and a microphone. Absolutely. So, you know, why does it matter what I think? But that's the fun of getting on here and, t- and talking about it, I guess. But I'm glad you mentioned Cole Taylor because that's what I was going to add. I think that he's going to be a great weapon in that uh, passing game. He stood out to me in the spring game as well as Devin Carter, as you mentioned. But Cole Taylor, definitely a tight end, open by birth, as Neil Brown likes to say, with his great size, six foot seven. But he also has great ability as he split out uh, and played in the slot at times during the spring game. So I like what he can bring to the passing game for West Virginia as well. Uh, personally, I just like to add more and more bodies because I've seen too many injuries and things like that. And I think they could use a little bit more depth just because I think some of the other guys that are behind them are inexperienced. But I do have faith in guys like uh, Preston Fox, Rodney Gallagher, and such that you mentioned. But I'm like, if you can get a guy that's got experience at this level and you know, can play and you can put them on the two deep bring them in here especially as you mentioned Jalen Ellis who I'll touch on uh, more here uh, momentarily but uh, flip it over on the other side defensively what did you like uh, what didn't you like do you think it's going to be an improved defense uh, I know it's hard to tell just by the spring obviously but just by judging what you saw throughout the spring with this defense versus the defense that you saw last season uh, any improvements there you thought yeah, I thought that they looked better, mostly like Lee Kapogba. I thought he looked different. Um, I think he's ready to take that next step that you always hear No Brown talk about. I thought our defensive line looked good, um, you know, different names, different faces, but I thought that they still had that same quality talent that Alan Jackson has, you know, pumped out since he's been here. I think he's done a great job with that front of the line. Um, I'm worried about with all, all the the DB stuff going on. Um, I've been pretty vocal about it. I don't. I feel like we're just throwing so many people back there and just telling them to work it out, and that makes you a little bit suspicious about why you know that nobody's cemented that spot. You've got people back there that have played the position for a while, and um, you know if you still haven't made any decisions yet, then that's not very uh, confidence building. Yeah, and well, I, I see where you're coming from with that. And then the one thing I've been trying to tell myself is that. Hopefully, I'm thinking it's part contingency plans after the injuries they suffered last season in the secondary. And then I'm also thinking maybe it's like a cross-training type deal where they're bringing in guys, training them in different positions. So that if something does happen like that, they can move them around in the secondary. Because I know Marcus Floyd came in as a corner. He's been playing safety. We knew Keyshawn Cobb we thought was going to come in and play Spear. He's been working at deep safety, but may work at Spear. Anthony Wilson, more one of the more recent commits, I think can play both deep and Spear. Uh, but I agree, they certainly are targeting a ton of defensive back bodies. They have brought in some, they've got some committed, and they still have some that they're targeting, which I'll touch more on here momentarily. But in regards to that, I thought the secondary play was what stood out to me defensively. Other than the fact of team speed looked improved, I thought 
the secondary did a good job, especially defending the deep ball. I kind of pointed that out in our top defensive plays video I did on the Country Roads webcast YouTube channel, which check that out if you haven't already. I did a top defensive and top offensive one. But in the top defensive one, I thought the guys were playing the deep ball better. Uh, Montre Miller had a couple good pass breakups. Malachi Ruffin as well. And, you know, Wilson Lamp and Spells had good moments out there as well. So I think there are some guys that could uh, help at the cornerback spots and look better than the transfers that we brought in last season at those spots, I think. So, you know, I know it's not saying much maybe, but I think that this year's defense should be improved compared to last year's defense, just judging by what I saw in the spring already. And that's not with the pieces you're going to add in the summer and the development you'll have in the fall as well. Yeah, if our defense is worse, God help us. Yeah, I don't know if it's possible, man. I don't know if it's possible. But uh, Brad mentioned it briefly there, but definitely the most recent news uh, that's come out for West Virginia on the transfer front, unfortunately not the most positive. Um, I would have probably agreed with you, Brad, that West Virginia didn't need to add another wide receiver after adding Jalen Ellis. I know they were still already targeting some, but now I definitely think they've got to go out and try and fill that void because a former transfer commit who we've discussed in a live stream previously, Jalen Ellis, who had committed to come to West Virginia from Baylor, a speedy wide receiver, recently, just the past couple of days ago, announced that he would be decommitting from West Virginia. As you see, if you're watching on the video side, there's a statement he made on Twitter. And then it has since been learned that he decommitted to flip to Deion Sanders and Coach Prime at Colorado. And there's the negative Colorado news that I was talking about earlier that would come up in the show. There it is for you a little bit a news that affects West Virginia negatively coming from Colorado as they get a transfer that already committed to the Mountaineers, changes his mind, uh, flips to Colorado. So kind of hate to see that. But, uh, Brad, any thoughts on uh, Jalen Ellis and uh, the coup he pulled here? Um, I hardly consider him even been a Mountaineer. I don't know. It's just it feels like one of those ones you've had heard Neil Brown talk about it before. You just got a guy that, you know, kind of commits out of nowhere and catches you off guard. But then, you know, uh, was he really that committed to us? You know, was it just like a quick landing spot, turn around and go to Colorado? You know, I guess I could see um, the draw to Colorado. But um, me personally, I don't think the Colorado experiment's going to be good. I don't think there's going to be a good outcome because, you know. Uh, Certainly not this year. I don't think it can. Yeah, definitely. And I don't know how you um, – I feel like you kind of have to do good this year because if you do bad, then like I, I don't know. I guess you can't do any worse than what Colorado is already doing. You know, going one and eleven. So, um, yeah. I guess why not take a shot at it and just see what happens. Well, they've got they've got a couple from us already. You know, Taj Austin, and then I guess you know Jalen Ellis. If you want to consider him from us, I mean, he committed to us. Wasn't ever <laughs> near know. really, but yeah. they've they've got us on a couple guys. I guess I could say. Yeah, absolutely. You know, case sarah, sarah. But uh, hopefully we'll end up with a better record in uh, 2023. We'll see. We'll see what happens, see if we come out on the better end of that. But um, if you're watching on the video side, you probably just saw me remove Jalen Ellis from our transfers in list on our transfer portal tracker here that I've been trying to uh, keep up with on what the Country Roads day. webcast. So, you know, just a, re- just a real-time update right there. But as far as transfers are concerned – uh, never once stepped foot in Morgantown, save for a visit. I, I would assume uh, he came on his visit, committed, and then uh, never came back. But so Jalen <laughs> Ellis was one that the Mountaineers had added uh, during this last transfer cycle, which 
the transfer portal window just closed here. Um, I believe, uh, which right I wonder how that works. The, now that I'm thinking about it, like he committed, are teams allowed to contact him once he's committed? Technically, like, I think no. that, that answer is no. But yeah, yeah unless you're in the transfer good. portal, you can't be talked to. But he definitely decommitted and immediately committed to Colorado. Yeah, I guess the the way I because I thought about that as well. I guess that the NCAA considers it you're still in the portal technically until you sign a letter of intent. Maybe that's that's the way I kind True, of assume for it. Think about that. Yeah, I guess that that's that's, a, that's the workaround smart, there. That's a smart answer. Yeah, yeah, I guess that's the workaround because. But yeah, if you're asking if I think that there was, um, what's the word? Uh, tampering. Yeah, if you're asking Getting if I collusion. think there was tampering, uh, I would say so. Yeah. but as far as this transfer cycle this latest transfer portal window just closed i believe on april 30th uh the players that west virginia saw transfer out during this cycle jalen shelton a defensive back eric burton a bandit caleb coleman a defensive back and tony mathis of course the running back that we talked about earlier so tony mathis really the only constant contributor you lost during this cycle whereas West Virginia had brought in four players now as we know that's three players a defensive back in Beanie Bishop another defensive back in Anthony Wilson and a defensive lineman in Tyron Bradley will be joining the Mountaineers as you see the list of transfers in here if you're watching on the video side and transfers out the full list there on the screen but Bradley as far as the transfer portal this offseason and the Mountaineer football team is concerned we know the West Virginia basketball team did an amazing job the football team I don't think is quite on par with that but I think overall they've done a better job this offseason than last season especially when you're talking about what you've lost I don't think they've lost anything that's quite as detrimental you know the two big ones probably pray through and Jordan Jefferson that you lost in that opening cycle but I think West Virginia has done a good job bringing in pieces to really help this upcoming season. And I think specifically when you're talking this most recent transfer portal window, West Virginia really did a great job. I think pretty much all the pieces that they brought in outweigh the pieces that they lost, save for Tony Mathis being the exception there. But what are your thoughts on the transfer portal job West Virginia has done up to this point? And I do want to add, although the transfer portal window is closed, West Virginia can still add people because players that are in the portal can commit and the windows do not apply to graduate transfers either but having said that Bradley what are your thoughts on the football team's transfer efforts yeah I definitely give it a better grade than I would have given it last year you know we definitely lost less significant pieces this year so I would say that that's the biggest positive this year the transfers in I'm not going to get high on any of them because I got really high on the guys we had coming in last year and some of them just did not produce to the way I thought that they would so um to that, I'm going to say sight unseen. I don't know what those guys are going to bring in, but when it comes to losing players, I definitely don't feel like we have lost as much as what we had lost in the last uh, year or two. I'd agree with you. I'd agree with you. I think uh, that they've done a good job of bringing in pieces that really fit the needs of this team for this upcoming season, and a lot of the pieces that they brought in seem to be better fits than the ones they tried to plug in last season, and hopefully that remains true with some of these other three that have not got to campus yet, Beanie Bishop from Minnesota, Tyron Bradley, the defensive lineman from Abilene Christian, and then Anthony Wilson, the defensive back from Georgia Southern, a safety that I'm really excited about. But West Virginia is still targeting transfers, as I said, Um, Let me scroll down here. These are some potential transfer targets for the Mountaineers. If you're watching on the video side, you can see the Mountaineers have 
offers out to three wide receivers, Jaquay Jackson from the Division II level. I've talked about him before. I really like him. Uh, Lamonius Craig from Colorado has a West Virginia offer, and most recently they've offered Keon Coleman, a wide receiver from Michigan State. A defensive lineman, West Virginia has offers out to several as they're still trying to add there, and then several offers out to defensive backs as well. Those are kind of the players West Virginia is still targeting. One of those that I wanted to highlight, though, was these defensive lineman, Tomiwa Duroje from Kentucky. West Virginia seems to also be battling Colorado, possibly for his services. But the good news for West Virginia is that he has recently visited, and West Virginia is in one of his finalists there. So do you think that uh, this would be a big get for West Virginia landing this Kentucky defensive lineman after the Mountaineers unfortunately missed out on a defensive lineman? I think we all kind of was hoping and maybe expecting to commit the Antoine Powell from Florida. I know we talked about him on a previous live stream on the Country Roads webcast. He'd been rumored to commit to WVU, ultimately ends up at Virginia Tech. West Virginia looking to add a defensive lineman. Uh, what are your thoughts on Tomiwa Duraje, Brad? Yeah, I think he's got a lot of potential. I think that that's, you know, even though we have some good guys on that defensive line, I feel like we could use a little bit more depth in there, you know, and he looks really good in Kentucky when uh, I got to see him. So I'd be excited to get him on campus for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Six foot four, 278 pounder, four years of eligibility remaining. So that's definitely a big sticking point is those multiple years of eligibility you could get from a guy that already has that great size and has been in a college program over at Kentucky. Uh, so hopefully the Mountaineers are able to land him, look out for him in the future to announce his commitment. I'm sure that'll be coming soon. He's been making visits over the past couple of weeks I've seen. So West Virginia will hope to add him to the transfer portal class, but other players they are targeting as well. They're looking to add defensive linemen, another wide receiver, and uh, wouldn't rule out another defensive back and maybe even a linebacker. I think West Virginia's current scholarship count is at about 80 now after the loss of the uh, commitment of Jalen Ellis. So about four or five scholarships remaining for the Mountaineers, and they'll try and fill those spots throughout the summer as we head into fall camp and build this 2023 Mountaineer football roster. We'll report on those transfers as they're added here on the Country Roads webcast. But having said that, Brad, any uh, thoughts on transfers or roster when it comes to uh, West Virginia football? And then I got a couple other little uh, fun notes in regards to Mountaineer football we can touch on before we uh, get up out of here and end our conversation here on uh, Season 5, Episode 155. But you got any other thoughts transfer-wise or roster-wise? No, I think I got out what I had to say. All right, good deal. Let me uh, let me pull this up here. I thought that this was uh, definitely noteworthy, of course. Came out in recent days, so wanted to address it here. Uh, the big opening game for the Mountaineers, bringing back the Penn State rivalry. That's already awesome enough. And we knew it had been rumored that it would be a night kick, and it appears that that rumor has indeed been confirmed both by West Virginia University and, of course, now the Broadcasting Network as well, NBC, confirming that as well. As you're watching on the video side, you can see this graphic that they shared. So we know that the West Virginia Mountaineers opening game of the 2023 season will be Saturday, September 2nd at 7.30 p.m. as they go on the road to Happy Valley to play at Penn State in one of the biggest stadiums in college football and what will be a top 15, top 10 ranked Penn State team at least. It'll be a primetime kick for the Mountaineers to open the season on a primetime channel on NBC, and it'll also be streaming on Peacock. So wanted to cover that, Brad. Any thoughts there on the Mountaineers opener as we now know the network and kickoff time? Yeah, I think that <laughs> that game could go a lot of different ways, quite honestly. Um, I think it's going to be an exciting atmosphere there. It's going to be super fun. 
I know some of my friends are looking at tickets into going. So um, I, it, it, when it comes to just like big time games, you love to see it. And I think that being a West Virginia fan, we know we like to play to the level of our competition. So hoping that we can make it close, even if it shouldn't be. And, uh, you know, let's get in there and see what happens. That's right. That's right. Plenty of motivating factors for the Mountaineers for sure. So hopefully they show up ready to go. It's going to be a tall task, but we know that the Mountaineers are known to rise to the occasion, as you said there, and they have done it in the past. And hopefully they're ready to shock the nation again, as we know the nation will be tuned in in a prime time spot now for the Mountaineers opener. So mark it on your calendar, September 2nd, 7.30 p.m. Tune in on NBC tune in, stream in on Peacock, and watch the Mountaineers uh, return that rivalry and face the Nittany Lions again. And lastly, wanted to touch on DraftKings Sportsbook has released their uh, projected team win totals for the Big 12 teams. Uh, Heartland College Sports uh, did a great graphic of it on Twitter. That's what you're seeing here if you're watching on the video side. But our beloved West Virginia Mountaineers only given uh, odds to win Four and a half games this upcoming season, and that's what the over-under is set at for West Virginia's football wins in 2023 is at four and a half. So if you're feeling optimistic about this season, I say lay some money down on that. If you think West Virginia can win five games, or if you think West Virginia's being a if you think West Virginia's gonna be a bowl team, double down. Lay double whatever you want to lay on that uh four and a half win margin for West Virginia. But uh Brad, what do you think about this uh line from Vegas as far as West Virginia's projected? Uh, season wins this upcoming season. Uh, fair? Unfair? What do you think? Ouch. <laughs> <That's what I laughs> that, was my, that was my immediate thought as well. Man, we had a higher total than this last year, man. And if they think they we've gotten worse, then boys, I hope the odds are wrong. But uh, there's a lot, of, a lot of thought that goes into those numbers. And it's, usually they're not too far off. Yeah, that's what I said. Vegas is uh, right more than they're wrong, but hopefully this is one of the times where they are wrong uh, for our sake because I definitely got to see the Mountaineers get back to a bowl game this season. We need it. We need it as as Mountaineer fans, I think. But uh, Texas and Oklahoma definitely are are the favorites this year, according to DraftKings Sportsbook anyways. Both their line of season wins at 9.5 for both of those, followed by Kansas State 8.5. Then you get four teams at seven and a half wins, Texas Tech, TCU, Baylor, and UCF. Kansas, Oklahoma State, both at six and a half wins. BYU, six wins. Iowa State, five and a half. And then joining West Virginia, projected at four and a half wins, are Cincinnati and the fighting Dana Holgersons over at Houston. So we'll see what happens. But West Virginia, you know, not looking – good projection wise this upcoming season. So hopefully, as we said earlier, they're able to prove the doubters wrong um, this upcoming season because there is going to be plenty. If Vegas is going to be any projection of what the national media outlets are going to think of the Mountaineers this upcoming season, they're going to be having to prove some people wrong. But I guess that's uh, pretty much all I got news topics wise. No, we wanted to do this episode a little bit differently, not our usual topics instead of having our usual segments of off-topic babble, Mountaineer news or whatever, just an intro and then our conversation kind of conversating about the topics that have been ongoing in Mountaineer sports here since we've last had a chance to have an episode with you guys. I know they're kind of few and far between throughout the off season, but here just a couple months away, we'll be kicking off season six of the podcast already. Hard to believe season six of the Country Roads webcast yeah. right upon us in season prediction roundtable right around the corner. So we'll have plenty of WVU football coverage coming once these fall camp rolls around. And 
probably looking like plenty of WV basketball things to talk about in the meantime as well. So we'll have plenty of coverage over on the Country Roads Webcast YouTube channel. If you're listening to this episode on the audio side, be sure hop over there, check out our YouTube content. We put out a little bit more content over there on the YouTube channel with short form videos than you'll have just with these long form podcast episodes, but we appreciate you tuning into them as well and hope that if you're tuning in on video, you hop over, check out our audio content and vice versa, but appreciate everyone that's tuning in here to this episode. But having said that, Brad, I guess that's pretty much all I got. Any uh, final thoughts or anything you want to touch on that we missed? Nah, man, it feels pretty good. It was a nice one. Absolutely. Always fun. Glad to get another one under our belts and uh, get back together for an episode here of the CRW podcast. Follow Brad on Twitter at Big Brother Brad CRW. Yeah, and then, of course, follow the Country Roads webcast right on Twitter yeah. as well at WVU Country Roads. We appreciate that. And then we're Country Roads webcast, Facebook and Instagram. And, of course, you can find the podcast on any audio platform you like. Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts. If you listen on Apple, leave us a rating. That helps. Google Podcasts, Spotify. Spotify, any of those platforms drawn. If you're a WVU fan, share us around. That really helps. But if you're on YouTube, hit the like button. Be sure and subscribe us up, whether it's on audio or video. But we appreciate you guys tuning in. Appreciate Brad joining me here for a great conversation about some Mountaineer sports here on Season 5, Episode 155 of the CRW Podcast. So there you have it, Mountaineer Nation. A lot of thoughts, a lot of takes on a lot of different areas of Mountaineer sports, but we would love to hear your thoughts as well. If you're tuned in on the video side, drop them in the comments on any of the topics you heard throughout the episode. Any way you interact with us, we really appreciate the interactions here at the Country Roads webcast. Of course, you can always message us on Twitter as you see it there on the bottom of the screen if you're watching on the video side. If you're on the audio side, our Twitter handle is at WVU Country Roads. Country Roads webcast on Facebook and Instagram, and you can always message us on any of those social media platforms or just shoot us an email with the question you got countryroadswebcast at gmail.com appreciate you guys tuning into this episode be on the lookout for another one coming in the near future and as always if you're listening on the audio side be sure hop over to the country roads webcast ut where you get more exclusive mountaineer sports content other than just these long-form podcast episodes you'll find here on the audio side but we really appreciate you tuning into this episode of the country roads webcast we'll have more coming here in the near future and look forward to bringing those to you guys as we cover mountaineer sports as the basketball offseason develops now with some news that will be looming as we now talked about in this episode and of course the football team continuing to build their roster for this 2023 West Virginia football squad as we look forward to that season as well and then how about the baseball team I know we mentioned them a little bit but they're in the midst of what is probably the greatest season in WVU history got a chance to be Big 12 regular season champs hopefully they bring home that title and who knows how far that road may go personally I'm one that hopes it ends in the College World Series but either way hosting a regional in Morgantown is going to be something that is very special for WVU baseball if they get a chance to do that and it's looking good fingers crossed but appreciate you guys tuning into this episode of the country roads webcast have plenty of more mountaineer sports coverage coming for you guys in the future and looking forward to episode 156 already and i hope you guys are as well having said that as always i'm jordan cruz and until next time let's go if you really want to know then come on let's go take a stroll down those